My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. So Veritas family, we are recording this the week after a inland hurricane hit Cedar Rapids, uh, the derecho. So Matthew, we had plans for a podcast last week, and then there was no power and no Wi-Fi, and we were busy helping people, which let me just publicly go on the record and say, dude, you are such an incredible servant and shepherd of people. So I'm going to make you blush a little bit. Nobody, nobody can see your face right now, but um, I was literally at lunch just now with Jake and Michael, and we were talking about how how awesome you were, just like serving people, loving people, getting out on roofs. Um, Matthew taught me how to put tarps on roofs, so that was that's a life skill I have now, but life skill apparently you need (laughs) in Iowa yeah um I want to have a conversation today about how do we think theologically and pastorally about what just happened there are big theological answers to to the questions people are asking that I just want to equip us to connect those answers to life right sometimes just as a, a kind of principle sometimes the the big theological truth isn't what somebody needs to hear exactly in that moment right 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 so it's like Man, a tragic death occurs, right? It's not not usually the best call to lean in with like, well, God's sovereign, deal with it, sorry. Right, like, yeah. you know, not that that's any less true, but that, yeah, we're shepherding people, not, not reading theological textbooks. But I, I want to talk today about God's sovereignty and the storm because we believe in a big God who's in control. We believe in a God that loves us and cares for us. And yet many of us are tired and exhausted because... We just went through some junk, right? Yeah. So, so first off, just to find like in in normal everyday terms, what does the word sovereignty mean when we talk about God? Um, in Matthew Morkin terms, based off of a lot of a lot of study, it's God's absolute control of everything. There is no pocket, no aspect of anything anywhere. There has never been where God is not absolutely in control of everything. Yeah. And I think. This is a great topic because you have a storm like that, and we we always struggle. Like we like to talk about, oh, you know, love one another, be kind to one another. But what about the aspects of God's character? Do we pull out a scripture and apply to these things? Yeah, and yeah. We have to wrestle with that. That's what faith is. So, so in a in a very true and complete sense, God either makes everything happen, or at the very least, allows it to happen. He could stop it, and for some reason, has chosen not to. Absolutely. Right? That's a little scary, isn't it? That's a very big God. It's a very big God. And I think that's where you look into the Older Testament and you see the people talking about the fear of the Lord. And it's not so much fear that he could crush you, but he could crush you. Yeah. Yeah. It's awe that that wind that shook my house so incredibly is nothing to him. Yeah. And Jake said it so good on Sunday, like he's the God that created the wind, who stores the wind in his storehouses, but he's also the refuge that we need to survive the wind. Yeah. The only one that can save you from God is God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Have you always viewed God through this lens of sovereignty? Like, was that something that you kind of like, as soon as you became a Christian, that was your first, I believe in this already? No, this is a big story. (laughs) Okay. So, so I, I want you to tell a little bit of this because... Man, that's similar for my life too, right? I became a believer and um, four or five years later, just through really good conversation with a friend and reading my Bible, came to more of an understanding of God's sovereignty. So as people are listening in, as we're trying to be equipped, like 
stories like this matter because our, we don't come out as believers like fully formed in our theology. We're continuing to have our minds and our hearts formed towards God's truth. So, okay, we don't need the we don't need the hour long version of the story, but can you give me the maybe the five minute version? How did you come to a place that you saw this truth in scripture and began to change your life? Okay, I got saved in two thousand five. This is not going to be a five minute version. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to talk fast. Okay, um, I got saved in oh five in oh seven August twenty seventh. Uh, 2007, I'm out filling tires for a horse trailer because I was a cattle guy and I was going to be a you got those big cattle hands, baby. Yeah, yeah, bajillionaire farmer by now, which hasn't happened. <laughs> um, but uh, my mom comes out of the house screaming that my brother-in-law is dying. Yeah, 42 year old dude, generally healthy, police officer for 26 years, has a cough on Saturday, is dying on Monday. And for the first time in my life, like I had been reading the Bible for two years and actually understanding it. And for the first time in my life, like Psalms 137, uh, 139, I'm sorry, pops out in me that I was knit together in my mother's womb. All the days of my life were written before the foundation of the world. And so for the first time in my life, I'm in northern Minnesota. My brother-in-law is in Tampa, Florida, in a hospital and I'm like, God, you know, you already know what's going to happen. He, mm. You wrote out his days before the end. Because for me, it wasn't so much a struggle of like car accidents or wind at, at that time. It was like, what do I do with death? Mm. What do I do with death and God's sovereignty and whether he allows it or ordains it or however you want to play with that. Yep. So my brother-in-law passed away that day because wow. that was the allotted time of his life. A lot of us think we deserve 80 years when actually every day is a gift from God, be yeah. in awe of God. Then that night, 45 miles away, an F5 tornado went through a town and annihilated it. It's a mile wide, northward North Dakota. Wow. And I went there the next day to cut trees. <laughs> and um, I saw in that city you know, there'd be one tree standing and the next seven are gone. There'd be one house that lost three shingles, three-story Victorian-style house, lost three shingles. And there was a family of believers in their upstairs holding their windows and doors shut. And they lost three shingles and the three houses to their west were gone. Wow. And I thought, why does the one house lit make it and these other three don't make it? Why does a tornado go through a mile wide F5 tornado and one man passes away and not more people killed? Talking to people who were like, I was driving in my car and all of a sudden my car lifted up, it spun around and then I was set back down on the road. And I'm just like, you know, what was going on there? Other than that God was working to protect some that he chose to protect, to protect even possessions of people that he chose to protect and to annihilate other parts of this little town yeah and then again then that saturday just to top off a busy week uh, my first son was born and you know after my son was born there's a moment there especially as the father where you're like i can't do anything right now Mm. this is totally out of my hands and just seeing god's faithfulness in that so anyways it was a busy week very emotional for me but just seeing god's sovereignty like can God do this or or do I have a say in it? Mm. And and I can try to have a say in it all I want, but I can't do anything about any yeah. of those scenarios. So the interesting thing about your story there is that there was truth you're reading in scripture and then there was life that happened that kind of forced you con- to confront the truth in a, in a real way. Reading the Bible is a very dangerous thing because God is going to challenge us, confront us, comfort us, encourage us in places we didn't even know we needed it. 
we don't read the Bible just to read it. We read it to change because God yes. is trying. He's trying to change our worldview. He's trying to change our perspective. He's trying to change our identity. I think God is trying to sh- reveal himself to us through his word. Like he's yeah. giving yeah. you a letter like, what do I do with derechos? What do I do with tornadoes? What do I do with flooding? What do I do with death? And God's saying, I'm Lord of all. Yeah. And I think that week for me solidified a whole lot of Bible knowledge yeah. with some painful and exciting personal stories because you have to wrestle with um it's not i'm not everything is spiritual i'm not saying that the tree is spiritual or that the you know i'm not don't go there but i'm just saying like if god isn't working through those everyday things i mean god causes grass to grow god feeds the fish of the ocean and when he withdraws his hand they turn to dust i would plead with us within the context of scripture and God's testimony within scripture is to give all those things to God, relinquish what we think is our will and our desires and submit to the will of God. So this is kind of a a critical moment, even as we're thinking through this in terms of equipping, we've got this theological information. We need to apply to our hearts first before we apply it to someone else, right? Um, There's an email someone showed me on Sunday from not going to name names, but essentially they sent out an email to talk about like, hey, we're all kind of dealing with this. We're wrestling in this time. Here's how we're going to respond. And someone responded like essentially with a lot of strong theology and a very small kind of shepherding heart. If I go to my neighbors right now and go like, well, God's sovereign over your house being destroyed. Like that's true news, but that doesn't feel like <laughs> good no, news in no, the moment. No, um, there's a pastor named Larry Osborne on the West Coast who talks about need to know moments and need to grow moments need to know is like when your friend asked you a question that's a stumper and you're hungry for the bible in a way you weren't before you know it's like man those moments where someone's like well why did jesus die and you know you should know the answer but you have to go to your bible to get the right answer Mm -hmm. and the need to grow moments are like when you're faced with suffering or frustration or challenge and god is growing your character and shaping you there so it sounds like even that week was like this information this knowledge you had god putting it into your life to grow you in that. It came to life is how I describe it. And I would say another parallel concept is, you know, when your four-year-old is learning like what's one plus one and you're like, all right, a big one. What's 10,000 times 10,000? And so when you're going out to your neighbor who's living in the world, you know, Ephesians 2 tells us who a lost person is living for. Yeah. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedient. Yeah. disobedient. And so there's that reality there. So when you go and just like, all oh, right, let's go 10,000 times 10,000, four-year-old, and then you just drop the answer on them. Well, one, they don't care. Right, right. You're starting in the wrong place. They don't understand addition. You know, yeah. they don't understand multiplication. And so you're like, you're going way above and beyond. But what's going to relate to them is the love. Yeah. The love of Christ, that Christ would die for sinners. And then, you know, you have a whole bunch of other questions that result in that. Yeah. But to go to these epic themes or theological things is where many of us shoot ourselves in the foot and come across like total idiots. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what needs to happen in us is we need to take this truth about God's sovereignty and apply it to ourselves first so that we live a different kind of way. We live with a peace. We live with a patience. We live with a kindness that is compelling to people and then from there shepherd and love and share the gospel the actual good news about the sovereign god showing up with a plan for all eternity to reconcile dead people to himself sinners practicing our faith in that sovereign god so that we can patiently walk alongside somebody who doesn't know what one plus one is but we want to share with them what ten thousand times ten thousand is right 
So in that sovereignty is the same thing that gives us peace. Yeah. Gives us patience. That gives us kindness. That helps us be meek. Because there was a time where we didn't know what it was yeah. either. Yeah. And I struggle with that. Sure. Yeah. So in kind of that equipping spirit, let me just say again, people probably don't first need to hear about God's sovereignty. That might be helpful. Like be wise, let the spirit direct you in that for sure. But they need to see God's sovereignty in Christ and see God's sovereignty affect you so that they begin to be open and ready for that, right? What is the hope that you have within you? Exactly. And be ready to share about Jesus, who is, again, the apex of the story of God's control and kingship. So, Matthew, how do you take this truth and apply it to your own heart? Equip us a little bit to go, okay, I've got these theological answers. How do I help that practically sit in my own heart and my life? Yeah, and that's a difficult thing, right? I mean, you think of the story in, uh, I believe, Luke, where the gentleman wants his daughter to be healed, and he asks for healing, and in the end, he's like, help my unbelief. Yeah, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Like, I I, I think he's saying, like, I okay, I I hear you. Yeah. Help me, help me believe it, you know? And I think for us, and I think for me, I mean, last week too, I mean, I was sitting in my basement, my kids were crying and I wanted to cry along with them. And I'm trying to put on the tough dad face and I'm like, what is going on out there? Yeah. Why does a freight train entering my house? I'm not near the tracks, you know? And uh, really practically putting that into place of like, you know, if I lose my house right now, God is sovereign. Mm. If I live under a bridge, I firmly believe that God would take care of me, mm-hmm. probably through his body, the church, at least, you know, and then I've got insurances and all this stuff, right? Practically, really putting into place is like help my unbelief, prayer. And again, I think for many, we come back to this a lot in this equipping podcast, but you're not going to trust God if you don't know God. Mm. And that makes sense in every relationship. I don't meet a stranger on the bike path and say, hey man, here's the keys to my car. I know you would enjoy it. Take it. No, I build a relationship and I start a friendship where the guy's like, hey, I need to borrow a car. Well, why why wouldn't you take mine? Mm. You know, and so you have the Lord who has told you his testimony throughout the Older Testament and the New Testament, this is how I work. This is how I love. This is how I judge. This is my wrath. This is my sovereignty. This is my supremacy. This is this is what this looks like. I can say to the wind, be still, and it shuts its mouth. I can say to the fish, swallow that man, and it will swallow the man. Okay? And I, I've created all things. And I've created the trees. I've given them the strength. I've written out the days of everything. You know, I know the numbers of hairs on heads. I know the sparrows that fall in the Amazon, okay? So you know that God, and then you then you give him, give him your life. Mm-hmm. Give him your life. Just give it to him. Just give it to him. Give him your house. Give up the pleasures of this world for a deeper, greater pleasure. And so that comes in that relationship with your maker. And it comes through reading the letter that he wrote to us so that we could know him better. That comes through communication with him. That comes through asking questions. We're talking about sovereignty over big things, folks, and some of you aren't there yet. You might not be at one plus one, but you're still dealing with eight plus seven, you know? And that's good. That's good. But learn it. Study it you know, figure it out. And so wherever you're at, these are hard truths to grasp. But when God does something, when God allows a wind to destroy so much stuff, is he trustable? Could he be using that for his glory in your life? Could he use the loss of a family member to draw you closer to him? And I'm at a place where I can say, yes, yes, he can. Like, God, change me, draw me closer to you. Your will is better. I'm there most of the time, I should say. You know, so still... 
sometimes I, I come back to this reality like, God, I don't know what you're up to, but I know who you are. I know what you're like. And so I know the kinds of things you're up to, yes. right? I don't know specifically why you allowed this to happen this way, but I have to fall back to what I know of just your character and your nature and who you say you are in your word and who you've demonstrated yourself to be in my life, right? As I line up my my view of my life, the lens I look through based on what you tell me about who you are in your word, and I look back and I see your fingerprints over how you've shaped me, how you've used, whether it's suffering or success, to shape me to be more like Jesus, to shape me to be more that, the person that you want me to be. So even this morning, guys, I was reading um, You Can Change. Uh, was it Tim Chalice? Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got it in the resource center. I'm, I'm walking through it with some guys and grappling with thinking about my future. And God, are you sovereign over my future? <laughs> I know you are, in, but but I still have to, to speak that truth to my emotions and go, okay, whatever happens in my future, whether it turns out the way that I expect or desire or work towards or not, I have to trust that, God, you're working it out for my flourishing, for me to look like Jesus. And I have to repent of the ways that my view of my future is actually smaller than yours, right? Like my view of my future looks awesome, guys. <laughs> I'm going to be on a beach somewhere. I'm doing all this stuff. And yet that might not actually be good for me. Mm-hmm. And God in his love and kindness might have totally different plans because he actually cares about me. Mm-hmm. Even when that doesn't look the way that I want to in this moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to take this truth I know about who God is and speak it to my emotions and my hopes, my plans mm-hmm. this morning. Well, and that's one thing too, again, practically, right? If you're two-year-old, Your two-year-old has dreams and plans for their day, for their meal, for what they want to do. And in the story, I'm the two-year-old. I have dreams. I have plans. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a popsicle later. (laughs) I'm going to have popsicles. I will eat ice cream all day long. Uh, All these things, right? And the adult in the room knows. Like, okay, you know, like, no, you cannot run out on the street. No, you cannot eat ice cream all day. That's just not going to be quality in the end, okay? And, and God knows. God knows what is best for us. And my heart desires these quick fix ice cream, you know, quick fix, like I'm going to just run and do this and no one can stop me. And God says, no, I want something better for you. I have an eternity for you. I'm not just talking about 60, 80 years. Right. I'm talking about eternity and I know what's best for your eternity. And so I'm going to draw you into me through even restricting your own desires. Yeah. I'm going to stop you. And push you this way, though you don't want it, because I want you to, there's an eternity at stake here, and, I, and I'm pruning you for that. Yeah, eternity has to be the time horizon we look at, because if we only view God's sovereignty in terms of a cushy retirement, it's not big enough. Yeah. We, have, we have a much bigger God. God is so much bigger than that. And so even thinking in terms of loss of possessions, loss of health, yeah, loss of things we've worked hard for in this life. God is pruning us, like you were saying, for for something bigger, for something better, which is enjoying him forever in eternity. And, and again, just as you're listening, and let me tell you this, that might not feel like good news now. That might feel like your hopes are frustrated. That might feel like some of the things that you're working for will be pushed down. But even if your feelings are saying something different, let the truth of God's word influence your mind and push that into your bloodstream, your heart, in all those moments to change your action, change your hands. One thing that I think is often bucked against in this talk about sovereignty, and you know, and I, I, I don't even mean to talk about my brother-in-law flippantly. Like we cried. Yeah. God is sovereign, and we cried. Yeah. 
God is sovereign, and I've cried in the last week over my house. I put a lot of work into it. I had dreams for a house and my stuff. Like, God is sovereign over my boys. If I were to lose one of them, which God can do, I will cry. Yeah. But I don't cry like those who have no hope Mm. because God is going to work through that. Like, you put effort into a car or you saved up money for a car or it's convenient to have three cars and now you have maybe two and a half because a tree sat on one. Um, You know, like, there's mourning, but we don't mourn like those who have no hope hope because we know the sovereign God can work through that and that God is shaping me. And so don't take sovereignty and say like, oh, God is sovereign. I don't need to cry. I just can push on through. Like that's not right because God gave you emotions. And one of the moments that that puts that into sharp relief for me is when Lazarus died in in the gospel of John, Jesus wept. Knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, knowing he was going to use it for his glory, he told his disciples the same. But he still chose to enter into that moment and weep because of the effects of sin over all creation, the effects of our rebellion, Amen. the effects of yeah, rejection of God. So here's what I hope is happening for you in this. I hope this podcast just invites you to process a little bit with us what's happened to our city, what's happened to your life, your, your stuff, your family, based on who God is. This doesn't minimize what we've gone through, but it makes much of the God that we trust in this process. You have your own unique sufferings and burdens and unique joys in this time, but we know the God that sees us through the whole thing. And I go back to to Romans um, chapter eight, what can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? No storm no power, no person, no whatever. And God is using times like this to shape us to be the kind of people that's ready for whatever comes because we know who he is and we know what he's up to. Um, We love you guys. We hope this has equipped you not just to have big theological brains, but also robust hearts that can love your neighbors through times like this. Um, Thanks for joining us for the Equipping Podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time.